0: Hello, my name is Mark Taylor. Welcome to this three podcast network, which includes the shows Education on Fire, sharing creative and inspiring learning in our schools, Learning on Fire, Education from Sharing Wisdom, Not Testing, and the National Association for Primary Education. Find out all you need to know at educationonfire.com. There comes a time in every person's life when you realise it's not about doing what you are told, but doing what you know is right for you. Let us take a journey of learning and discovery with the world's most successful people, who are living the life of their dreams, walking through life using their inner wisdom, and being of service to others. Forget exams, grades and test scores. What is your purpose? As we let go of what we think should be, and learn from our elders to gain knowledge, inspiration, and a true sense of who we are. What are your dreams? Does your life have meaning? Are you living a life of significance? Let's talk with today's guest. Hello and welcome as we spend some more time together on the Learning on Fire podcast. Today we've got a slightly different format. I'm talking to Margaret Rook today, who's a writer, and her aim is to inspire children, teenagers, their parents and carers, and people who work with them. Her books include You Can Change the World, Everyday Teen Heroes, Making a Difference Everywhere, Dyslexia is my superpower most of the time. And creative, successful, dyslexic. Twenty-three high achievers share their stories. Thank you, Margaret, for joining us. Thank you. So let's start with a little bit about your background and professional experience just so that we can we can set the scene into why you sort of got involved in being an author.
1: Uh, well I um I was a journalist for many years. It was what I always wanted to do ever since I was a very small child. Um, and when I had my kids I found it quite difficult to work as a freelance at my um, and I started working for charities, which I loved. And when I lost my job, I um, sort of thought, what is it I really love to do? And I realised that uh, I'd ghostwritten some books a long time before. And I realised that writing books was what I absolutely loved. So I, um, yeah. So I, so I started doing that, and it's been, it's been, it's been an, an absolute joy actually. The the way my my career has gone.
0: And it's interesting, isn't it, how this is a theme that comes up quite often is the fact that no matter how your career takes you or where you think it might go or whether you've got a job and then you have a side passion that you do or like there are many people who've lost their job or had a slight change in their circumstances but then that passion keeps coming back and then it's enabled people to actually then focus on that more directly and and that's often taken them into the world like you say where they're really loving what they do.
1: Yeah, and I really like that idea which kind of come across a lot with the teenagers and the children and teenagers I talk to of um, difficult, good things coming out of difficult times. Um, And certainly that was the case with my with my career.
0: And just take us through, I mentioned some of the titles of the books at the beginning of the show. Um, Why those particular subjects? Why that particular topic area that um, you've focused on so far?
1: Uh, well, I started off writing about dyslexia um, because my we found out when she was about 13, 14 that my daughter was dyslexic. And it was a huge shock to us because she'd achieved very well in primary school and then stopped achieving when she went to secondary school. And I, I was just filled with this sort of need for it not to affect her self-worth. I wanted her to still believe that no matter how much she struggled at school and she really did seem to be struggling then that um that she could follow her dreams yeah, it may sound like a bit like a cliche but that's what i wanted for her so uh i wrote my first book creative successful dyslexic which is a series of interviews with incredibly successful Um, adults with dyslexia. People like Dame Darcy Bustle, um, David Bailey, um, Eddie Izzard, just all sorts of people from across the spectrum. The way that they told their stories about struggling at school and then finding their niche, having some adult support, and doing what they achieved was was the message I wanted to get across both for my own daughter and for others like her who were struggling in mainstream school
0: and what was it do you think I don't know whether you came to the bottom of this why was it that primary school seemed to be okay and and something which your daughter was able to to be um thriving it sounds like but Mm, then mm. then suddenly getting that slightly older was it the change of school was it the environment was it an age-related thing did you ever sort of know what that was
1: well I, I mean I had different um people people had different viewpoints which were all really interesting my daughter's viewpoint was that she got away with it at primary school and she was able to compensate with the skills she had, so she could learn what they gave her to do. I mean, for example, I remember we worked really, really hard on the weekly spelling tests, and quite often she might get full marks, and then the next day she would have forgotten them all. But as far as the teacher knew, she had full marks, so she kind of find ways to get away with it. Secondary school, I think secondary schools are a much more complex institution. This was a huge, comprehensive, lots of different teachers, lots of different structures. I imagine the work went up a gear and it was just all too much. You just found it chaotic and difficult to deal with.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It sort of sounds like that primary system, you find a way to work. and and make the most of the system because like you say it's about like say if it's a spelling test you do what you need to do and then you can move on but it's bringing all those things together and and I can see that from secondary school with my youngest daughter just going into secondary school it's a completely different way of um, being able to adjust into that learning environment isn't it
1: yeah absolutely yes
0: so Was it a natural progression then to take the the dyslexia books and then go into the everyday teen heroes? Um, In part it was because,
1: um, so for my second book, which was called Dyslexia is My Superpower, most of the time I interviewed children and teens um, about their own experiences. Um, And I think actually there's a lot for teachers and those working in schools to learn from, from what they said so i got i was used to interviewing teenagers uh, but i was also aware of the way the news agenda had changed there was so much being talked about teenage mental health And all the difficulties that teenagers go through also there was a lot being brought up by academics talking about how the people that influence children are other or teenagers are other teenagers you know we as parents like to think that we're the biggest influence but in fact other teenagers affect them their peer group affects them so much so this book was a kind of I wanted it to be a celebration of teenagers, um, not the stereotype that we so often see in the media. Um, So I wanted that. But I also was aware that the people who influence teenagers are other teens. So if a teenager is feeling maybe a bit down, not knowing which, which road to take, that maybe they could read this book and be influenced by one of the teens in it. And take take a a path maybe that they hadn't thought of.
0: And um, your article in The Guardian was really inspiring to read in terms of being able to sort of demonstrate some of these teenagers that have become real um, role models. And and I guess Mm -hmm. Wimbledon this year with Corey Goff was one of those things that just sort of took the war by storm. Not really, I think, for me anyway, the fact that she was just so young, but the way that she handled herself and her dedication and her focus and her understanding of what she was trying to achieve in her life generally, not just in that one tournament, was, was amazing. So... What is it a, a, about this sort of um, sort of revolution in terms of people's perceptions? Sometimes of, of what teenagers are able to achieve with with the right focus.
1: Yeah, I think in a way this this does seem to be the time of the teen. Um, I mean, these this generation of teenagers was brought up often being used to being listened to. This is not the sort of seen and not heard generation. These are people who've had their voices heard in their families. Um, um, Maybe in some ways we find it, we can find it difficult to set the strong boundaries as as we need to. Um, They have the ability to influence others through their way they can, they have complete mastery of social media in the way that certainly I don't. so they um there's a way that their ability to communicate and a bit of more of a sense that their voice is important maybe that's come together um and they are a generation that can make change they don't need to wait until they're adults maybe they can see some of the difficulties there are in the world around them now and think we weren't responsible for this you know what can we do to um to, to to help clean the oceans? What 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 is it we can do? Um, and the, the teenage mind from the teenagers I spoke to in the book just seems to work with that kind of clarity. Um, that, yeah, maybe they don't always overthink things. Maybe they're not quite as jaded as some adults who kind of think, oh, well, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Maybe they've just got that bit more um, energy and and that capacity to have an idea and run with it.
0: I mean, I guess they really are—you know—they're expanding into their adult life, aren't they? So, mm. so, so it's really positive to hear that that's the that's the case. And, and we do also hear sometimes about the biology of the brain and how that changes mm. while they're growing through through the teenage years. Um, what do you think makes the difference in that? Do you think it is? some teenagers for whatever reason have that passion and that understanding and wanting to make a difference and feeling like they can as opposed to um one of the things you mentioned in the article was the fact that people's perceptions can be that teenagers are lazy and they don't want to get involved mm. in anything and they you know that they sort of push against um boundaries like you talked about before so it's often quite black and white in people's thinking isn't it and you very rarely sort of hear that sort of gray area between well this is the this is their their actions sometimes and other times it's different rather than just the teenagers that are go getting and and wanting to change the world and different teenagers which um, are lazy and don't want to do anything and it can't be as black and white as that despite how the media might actually paint it. Um, I think one of the things that we wanted for this book we didn't
1: want to include you know the astonishing teenage um, entrepreneurs who've made millions or the sports stars who've done so astonishingly well and shown such power and mental strength, as you, as you described at such a young age. We wanted to include their everyday heroes, so people that might have made um, the ch- a change that was needed to make in their own life that has made them as they see it, sort of better people in the world around them and influencing the world in that way, or people who've maybe gone through something terrible like losing a parent and have used that experience positively, maybe to fundraise or to make sure that death is talked about more freely than many of us adults know to do, or people who have seen something that they feel is not right in the world, like Amica George, who heard about period poverty and couldn't believe everyone wasn't talking about it. In fact, you know, now the government has, after this hugely successful campaign that um, that she's helped to run, um, now the government has agreed that um, sanitary protection will be in, in primary and secondary schools, which is a massive achievement for, um, for a teenager. That's where I'm coming from. I'm coming from everyday heroes, ordinary, if you like, ordinary teenagers who've made that a difference that has impacted on those around them.
0: Were you able to identify what it was about those particular teens that enabled them to want to make a difference. You sort of mentioned that it may well be that they've been through something which is um, life-changing or traumatic or or just experienced something which made them get up and, and do something. But there must be lots of teens that actually wouldn't have done that. Is there sort of a common thread about the sorts of personality or, or the situation which made some people take action and others not?
1: Well, that's why I wrote the book. I wanted these incredibly impressive teenagers to inspire other teens because those are the people teenagers listen to, other teenagers. So so that was one of the reasons for the book. Um, I think that the teenagers in the book often had an adult on their side in some way who was just giving them the right amount of support. So there was a girl in um, Zainab, a wonderful girl in a school in Lancashire who was, as she described it, the class clown, messing about in class, every teacher's nightmare. And um, one of the one of the staff said to her, "You have so much energy. Why not use it for something positive?" And just that one intervention changed the whole direction of her life. So quite often there is is just a small intervention from a parent or a teacher or another adult in the life of a uh, a teen that can make that difference, even if we're not aware of it at the time. And also it's, um, as the British Dyslexia Association says about children with dyslexia, who despite struggling at school, managed to succeed in the outside world it's finding your niche so it's finding that thing that makes you that, that sort of brings your heart alive and makes you think I really want to do that and there are there are so many examples of that in the book
0: I think that's that's so true isn't it because I think once you find your passion once you find your niche once you find your voice and what it is that you want to put your time and effort into you suddenly realize how that affects you as a person you know it goes back inward doesn't it rather than outward and, mm-hmm. and I think the that ability then just makes you or certainly for me it seems you suddenly understand that the things that you're involved in in your day-to-day life just become supportive you know school is supportive in whichever way that happens to be you know the, the tools that you're learning are supportive and, mm-hmm. and and then it's not about just being part of a system it's actually a part of the fact that oh I can use all these things and the people around me to support what it is that I really want to do.
1: Absolutely, exactly, yeah, um, um I mean, I can give you some more examples of that if you like, but in, it that's exactly it so um there's um there was one girl who had her- who was coming up to her bat mitzvah um and she decided she didn't need presents, what she wanted was to raise money for a charity she really believed in to help um girls in poorer countries and the her whole school came behind her you know her her. i think it was her head teacher um and other girls in the school helped her raise um significant amount of money um and she could just have carried on the normal way you know having a having a do and getting presents from aunties and uncles and in fact she channeled it um there's um Uh, a girl, Lucy Gavanagh, who's who's quite well known, who, when she was very young, um, sort of met a hen, as she describes it, who was injured and helped sort of notice her injuries and and watched her get better. And it made her think about um, the welfare of, of chickens, generally. And then she read up about it and found that many eggs in supermarkets, came from caged hens. And she started a campaign, uh, a letter writing campaign, she wrote masses of letters over many years that were ignored by um, supermarket chains. And then she started a, a, she used her knowledge of social media, she started um, a change.org petition, and got hundreds of 1000s of signatures. Um, And at 14, she walked into Tesco head office, and got them to change their policies so yes they she found her niche she used the skills she had you know and amazing things happened
0: and it's really important that isn't it is to remember that you you are unique and you can only do it your way yeah and, and and that's that I think that's exciting then because it's very easy in this day and age of seeing celebrities or or people around you doing seemingly extraordinary things and thinking mm. you need to emulate them and actually it's yeah. they're they're very good at being who they are at whatever that is and and the important thing is to it's important to be who you are and and that's that gives you all the skills you need then
1: yeah one one um one interview that particularly interested me was a boy from australia who was very lucky he was chosen to go on this big environmental um camp in the usa and so he went along with teenagers from lots of other countries and they were exploring um, national parks and it was all about helping the environment. And he came back home to Australia and he thought, what this hasn't taught me isn't about the environment at all. It's taught me that I think our culture is actually very critical. It's critical of people who we feel don't fit in. Um, it's critical of people we believe, is ner- uh, we believe are nerdy. And it's changed his whole philosophy on acceptance. And I thought that was a really interesting and sophisticated response from such a young person. He was—he went along to learn one thing. And in fact, he learned something completely different, but equally valid.
0: And I think that's the thing about just following your heart isn't it taking you wherever it happens to go whether it's a trip whether it's getting involved in an organization whether it's having a passion project or, or, or a cause that you really want to do you never know exactly where that's going to take you who it's going to meet and, and I really liked what you were saying before about the fact that we all have influence and, and teenagers have guidance from all sorts of people that you have your parents you have your carers Mm -hmm. you have your school teachers you have your peers whatever clubs and and associations you might be in actually someone within there will speak to you in a way um and I don't mean verbally I mean in terms of actually understanding Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. and that 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 really connects in a way and so we all have a a part to play and and you're never quite sure how you might fit into that but but it's a cool thing.
1: I remember from when I was um, a teenager, that sometimes, uh, very occasionally, a teacher would say something, and I wouldn't acknowledge the impact they'd had, but they had had a transformative impact on how I felt about myself. Um, You know, sometimes it's just one line, and um i think it's important that te- that teachers
0: know that <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely i th- i think exactly how 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 you talk all the time is important rather than it's mm. it's often not necessarily that sit down pole of wisdom we need to change the world now because we need a proper conversation it's mm. it's the, it's the it's the everyday here and now and and, and that yeah. and that relationship and, and that teachers can actually be
1: everyday heroes too really you yeah. know And maybe without realising it, maybe they'll go home exhausted after a day dealing with a class of teenagers. And actually, they've really changed someone's life almost without knowing it.
0: And you said the peer-to-peer thing is really, really important. And I guess this is where this book has the most power is the fact that teenagers and young people will be able to relate to to the people that have actually spoken to you.
1: Yeah, um, absolutely. That's, that's why the book was written. Um, uh, some of the research I did as, as I was sort of formulating the introduction was I went to speak to the uh, Royal Society of the Arts and they did this fantastic research last year called Teen Agency. And they found in that that um, adults' attitudes to teenagers really leaves a lot to be desired. Um, so adults were given a list of adjectives to choose from. And the ones they believed most apply to teenagers were selfish, lazy, and antisocial and if you think about uh, that that really is very shocking if that's how we're stereotyping teenagers, they'll know if we if we're, if, we're, if we're disrespecting them and how how are they expected to respect themselves if that's the attitude they're getting from the adults around them. You know, we we really need to up our game. Uh, and they found that when teenagers said they wanted to uh, volunteer, they were interested in volunteering. The adults said it was because the, the main reason adults said they wanted to do that was because um, it would be good for their CVs and good for their UCAS statements. And when the teenager asked, well, teenagers were asked, why do you volunteer, want to volunteer, they said, it's because we want to help others. So how, how have we got it so wrong? How, how, you know, I've told um, people as I'm walking down the street, oh, how old are your kids now? And I, when I said they were teenagers, you get this look of pity. What's that about? What's that about? You know, teenagers can be amazing. Clearly, a lot of what we see on TV or, or, or on social media or read in the um, newspapers is negative. But you know we have to know that there is more to life than that. you know we need we need not to forget you know i've forgotten with my uh, with my say with my daughter. I remember um having the usual mother daughter teenage struggles with her, and she came home one day from school and said, "Oh these two boys were being horrible to this other boy, so I stepped in and I really let them have it. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I forgot that about you. You know, I forgot that you have this, you have such um, this sense of right and wrong and justice. I was still thinking about, you know, that we hadn't got Drake tickets or, you know, <laughs> or whatever it was, you know. So, um yeah that you'd come in so late last night whatever the latest you know issue was so it's so important that we see what's there that we don't forget to see what's amazing
0: and and what advice would you give for sort of both sides of that coin i was just thinking there a lot of it is that communication isn't it it's been able to listen enough to hear what's going on so they feel that they're heard um and at the same time uh, understanding that the teenage years are difficult and actually you're going to have those power struggles and the fact that they are trying to find their way in life but at the same time that isn't essentially who they are it is part of of the growing up process and that's difficult for adults as well
1: all of that I mean it's their job to disagree with us you know because they're becoming the adults they're becoming um, um, and I suppose it's our job to um, remember that um, their their time their time will come. Um, yeah. So um, as as you said before, science shows us that teenagers are impressionable. They're going through a lot of changes, um, and we need to be constant. We need to be uh, the voice of support, and um, and we need to have faith in them.
0: I think that's um. I, th- I think that's great. Yeah. Exactly. Just that understanding that. They, they, they have the tools that they need, and actually, all we're doing is hopefully giving them the environment to flourish, and and all those positive things come out, which I. I I, th- I think the more they hear those things and, and obviously as they read the book then they'll start to identify all of those things within them especially if they're feeling slightly unsure about where their mm-hmm. path is or, or, or how they're supposed to be in the world which is obviously a big thing when you're a teenager to actually absolutely. Uh, hear lots of these different stories and you often have that common thread going through which which just gives them a, an, an inkling that actually yes it is okay and it will actually work out as it's supposed to
1: yeah absolutely That in a nutshell So for people
0: that um, would love to find out more about it and actually read the book, where's the best place for them to go and get it?
1: Well, in the UK, they can get it at Waterstones. They can get it in their local bookshop. Uh, They can get it online at the usual places. I I really hope they enjoy it. Um, I'm on Twitter on at Margs Rook um, and also less often on Instagram
0: also on at Margs Rook people that you spoke to are, are they actually from around the world or are they or they uk based um you talked about someone from australia as well as it's sort all of representative of around the world
1: yes there's there's um there are a lot of people in the book from the usa including an amazing forward writer there's people from many different countries from malawi to armenia to um uh, uh canada a lot from um, Scandinavia by chance. There's a wonderful girl called Guro, who um, she was watching a uh, pop video and she was really shocked that the girls in it were being used for decoration rather than as part of the action of the video. And she complained to the company that made the pop video and they ignored her, and she set up a campaign. And um, in the end, the they changed the video, they remade it. So um, I think a lot of teenage girls are, you know, could learn from that. Really, that you know, we teenagers, teenage girls need to be portrayed with an equality
0: with teenage boys. And I think the thing that really speaks to me the most out of our conversation is just the fact that how big a difference you could make like you say that the walking into head office of Tesco's for example is is no mean feat when you're a teenager or, or anybody thinking oh but I know I don't like the fact that this is the reality but nothing's ever going to change to, to, to hear right. those stories about the fact that it, it can make massive difference if you're really um consistent about it and put the time and realize that it's a journey I mean I, I think that's uh, that's an incredible thing to come away with
1: well, and on the other hand, there's a boy in the book who hadn't, who had no friends at primary school, who was bullied, who went to secondary school. On on his first day, he made the decision, "I am going to make a friend today." He completely rewrote his life, and he successfully made a lovely friend. They're still best friends today, and um, you know, extraordinary strength of character um, that a child stroke teen like that um has shown and that's incredibly inspiring i
0: think i think as soon as, as soon as you really feel that you can control your life i mean that's a very black and white decision isn't it having had an experience before and then to decide to do that and i, I think that's there's a lot of power in there and a lot of impact and 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 Having, having written the book and spoken to all these people, what what would your sort of final conclusion or sum up be about it in terms of, of what you expected would be the outcome or any surprises that came from it?
1: I suppose it, what really hit home to me is that this... What I want teenagers to know is that you are the generation with the power to make change. You don't have to wait. Um... Um, you can make, you can begin to make the changes you want to see now. Um, I think it's interesting how many teenagers are, uh, talk about David Attenborough, who obviously is at completely the other end of the age scale, but there's something about the simplicity with which he shows what he thinks is wrong with the world that appeals to them. And... um, I think he's a great role model for teenagers you know he's saying there's plastic in the ocean what are we going to do about it and teenagers can respond to that you know this is your you know this is their world this is the world they're inheriting and they can really do something practical to make it better.
0: And finally um, what advice would you give your younger self now based partly on your experience of having gone through all these interviews, but also in terms of what you've learned through your journey going from a teenager into adulthood?
1: I've come across a lot of very distraught uh, children and teens in the talks I've given about my dyslexia books. And what I wish for them and any other teenager struggling is that when they have those feelings... Um, when, when they have those feelings, I don't know, they, they've spent some time and they've come to terms with those feelings, that there is a whole world out there for them. They can reach to achieve what they really want to see for themselves and their communities and for the wider world. And so, yeah, so that's that's something that I would wish for them.
0: I think it's such a powerful message. I think it's such a, um, an important book. And, and thank you so much for, for creating it and writing it and, and sharing your story with it. And, um, yeah, I encourage everybody to go out and, and, and read it. I'm certainly going to go and buy a copy so that it's living on, living on the bookshelf, well, actually living in the house for our teenagers to read as well, because I think it's such an important thing. And, um, yeah, thank you for sharing your time and spreading such an important message.
1: Oh, thank you so much.
0: Thanks for listening to the Learning on Fire podcast. For more information, please visit educationonfire.com and follow the links from the homepage. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.